So I have officially started the recording. Nice. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Happy Hour History. Um, I'm Caden. I am the host. I hope you know that by now, but if this is your first episode, welcome. Um, Today, I'm here with my friend Kamal. Hey. And we are going to be talking about Hatshepsut, uh, the amazing Egyptian pharaoh. And... um, I've actually never been to Egypt. It's on my list of places, but you have been. I have. Uh, it was a while ago, I think approximately 2013. Okay. Yeah, but I did Egypt and wow, just wow. Amazing. Mm-hmm. I want to go so bad. Mm-hmm. I'm so jealous. Um, so I'm going to be teaching her about Hatshepsut and all of you as well. Um, but there are probably things that she would actually know more than I would or places that I've never been that maybe you've been. She's... She's kind of nodding her head. She's thoughtful. (laughs) She's like, maybe. (laughs) Well, if anything rings a bell when we do this, you'll have to let me know. Um, But before we start, just a couple of things as usual. Um, This is a comedy history podcast. Uh, We will be swearing. Sorry, Mom. And, um, of course, there will be, like, language and content warnings, blah, blah, blah. Um, This is actually probably one of the lighter episodes, though. Um, There's not a whole bunch of gruesome murder. I've done some pretty gruesome murders now. Um, and so this one's a little bit lighter, a little bit happier, a little bit more feminist. Oh, yeah, I think um, that works since we're drinking. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, as always, just kind of general content warning. If your kid can handle Hamilton, they can handle this, but, you know, sort of up to you. So maybe don't listen with children. Otherwise, let's begin. This is where the theme song goes. Um, a little bit of information about just kind of the world that she was born into and the context um, of, like, her life a bit. Uh, she was born around 1500 BC. Mm-hmm. And, um, of course, she's known for being a female pharaoh, which was quite uncommon. Uh, she's actually the longest reigning female pharaoh until Cleopatra, and that doesn't happen for another 1400 years. Damn. Feminism, um, like Egypt needed feminism sooner. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, there's a big gap um, where there's not a lot of uh, female pharaohs doing anything. Um, and for context, if you think about where kind of Cleopatra is in relation to Hatshepsut, so Cleopatra is actually closer in years to um, Henry VIII than she is to Hatshepsut. Um, so there's quite a big gap between. Hatshepsut being a pharaoh, and then Cleopatra 1,400 years later. So, um, interesting. Also, she's closer to uh, the invention of the iPhone than to the building of the pyramids. Wow. Did you know that? Cleopatra and the pyramids. Yeah. She's closer to the iPhone. No way. Yeah. I thought they almost, like, overlapped or something. No. Well, then, um, then the mummy movie is really misleading. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Films are misleading? <laughs> what? That's new. <laughs> I thought it 
is still historically accurate for this. <laughs> <laughs> no, she... I mean, Nefertiti uh, and um, Cleopatra all being, like, in yeah, the pyramids at the same They time. are quite late. I mean, by the time that she would have seen the pyramids, they were ruins, basically. Oh, wow. Um, actually, same thing with... Uh, with Hatshepsut, 1,400 years earlier, she does see the pyramids, and they are also, like, a 1,000 years old by that point. So she's like, wow, look at these really old ruins. <laughs> and then we go there, like, you know, 3,000 years later, and we're like, wow, look at these really old ruins. <laughs> I guess, I mean, they saw probably what we see right now, because, I mean, they're pretty well-preserved. Yeah. So I think, I mean, pyramids... But yeah, they definitely that, weren't, yeah. like, the shining, gleaming, new pyramids of like ah these have just been unveiled (laughs) we've just cut the ribbon (laughs) um yeah so she that kind of places her in context of like where she is to us um but also kind of context of what was happening around the time that she was born um so at this point egypt had had a lot of dynasties so as i said um like the pyramids had been built a thousand years before um, she's part of the 18th dynasty, so as you can imagine, um, it's been going for quite a long time. Um, and at this point, it had only recently become stabilized again. Mm-hmm. Um, so for a few decades prior to this, um, there had been like civil strife, and the area was actually split into different kingdoms. Um, so in the north, there was the Hyksos people. Um, in the south, which is like northern Sudan, um, there was the Kush kingdom. And then in the middle of all of this was, like, the remnants of Egypt. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was the Theban, the Theban or Thebian, I'll have to Google that and check it, the Thebian kingdom. Um, and they are the ones that drive reunification. Um, and so this is, like, the family of rulers that she descends from. So they end up being able to um, reunify all these kingdoms into, like, Egypt, quote-unquote. So a bunch of conquerors and, um, like just emperors yeah yeah so definitely definitely a a warring period and they would have had to be conquerors Mm -hmm. to bring all these people back under one rule Mm -hmm. because they've been so factionalized before that so to kind of also add a little bit more context because a lot of people think that she's the first woman to be a pharaoh and that's not actually the case um so there's kind of two different types of power um women could rule as regents Um, And that's obviously when, like, a child who's meant to be pharaoh is too young to rule. Um, And this happened, like, not always, but it was sort of decently frequent because um, even the wealthy were kind of susceptible to dying young. Obviously, there's not, like, the kind of medical care that we have today. Um, And some of their, like, health-related ideas were quite strange. Mm -hmm. I mean, their idea of contraceptive was, like, to put crocodile dung up your vagina. Ew. So if you think about like, there's a million ways to die in what backing did ancient that Egypt. Have? I don't. Maybe they were just like, just plug it up. Oh, so yeah, it's not gonna come up then. Oh, yuck. Yeah. So there were a million and one ways to die in ancient Egypt, and I'm afraid of all of them. Wow, I was thinking more along the lines of like regicide or like patricide. Oh yeah, that happened a lot too. <laughs> Um, Loads of ways to die back then. And so often you would have these young sons that came to power um, as the technical pharaoh, but of course they need someone to rule. And sometimes the regent would be the the woman, the the mother, or like the the former principal wife of the old pharaoh. Mm -hmm. And sometimes it might be someone else, but it was a way for women to come to power. Mm -hmm. Um, 
And that was one avenue. The other was the idea of an actual woman pharaoh, which isn't as common, um, but it's not unheard of. There was a woman called Sobek Neferu, and she was the first known woman to truly be pharaoh in her own right. Um, so she became a pharaoh by, like, descent? Um, so she, the death of, okay, I'm going to say this wrong. Uh, her brother, Amenemhat, <laughs> the fourth Amenemhat? Amenemet. I think I'm going to stick with Amenemet, the fourth. <laughs> Amenemet. Amenemet. Um, so her brother dies. He was obviously Pharaoh. And so she ends up taking power after him. And she ruled for about four years. Um, she was the final Pharaoh of the 12th dynasty, mm-hmm. um, which obviously puts her predating uh, Hatshepsut. There are actually like about five or six women before her who may have also ruled as pharaoh in their own right as well. Um, and there's actually these women that like we sort of know about. They date back all the way to the first dynasty in some cases. But she was the most prominent one. Um, well, the thing is, is that these other women were not... We don't have any solid evidence that they definitely did. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just kind of possible that they had. Whereas we do know that Sobek Neferu actually served as a pharaoh in her own right. Mm-hmm. Um, so she's sort of seen as like the first one that we're concretely certain of. Mm-hmm. Um, and actually has... Actually, Hatshepsut may have actually styled herself similarly um, mm-hmm. to how Sobek Neferu did when she was alive. But then it took 12 dynasties for like them to realize, like, hey, women can be badass. Yeah, basically. And then like three more dynasties. And then it takes, yeah, it takes a bunch, bunch more dynasties. The several. difference between them, one was after 12 dynasties and one was after 15, right? Um, Sobek Neferu was 12 and Hatshepsut was 18. Oh, wow. Okay. So, yeah, you got another yeah. six in there. Mm-hmm. Um and then during the 17th boys dynasty, never learn. the boys do never learn. <laughs> that's basically like, that's just history. <laughs> that could be just like the byline of every one of these podcasts, <laughs> boys. They never, never learn. learn. <laughs> um, so uh, during the 17th dynasty, which was obviously the one just before Hatshepsut's, um, there was also a really cool woman called Ahotep I. Um, she wasn't a pharaoh. But she was kind of this, like, badass Amazonian warrior woman. Mm-hmm. Um, and so she was a fighter. And then she acted as regent for her son. So, again, another case of women being regents. And then her daughter, Amos Nefertari. Nefertari? Amos Nefertari. I don't know if that's right. Mm-hmm. Um, she married her brother. Yuck. <laughs> and uh, she became the first queen of the 18th dynasty. She would also act for regent as a, uh, for her son again. So lots of that happening, um, but also on her upon her death, she was deified. So she was made into a god, mm-hmm. which at the time wasn't actually all that common for like the queens to do. Um, so she was the first one to be called um, God's wife of Amun, mm-hmm. um, which becomes a title after her, and it's something that um, Hatshepsut would actually be styled as as well. And she's also revered as the goddess of resurrection. And she was, at the time, arguably the most venerated woman in Egyptian history. Um, so, in the immediately uh, preceding dynasty, there aren't lady pharaohs, mm-hmm. but there are these women who are acting as regents, and they are kind of becoming increasingly more recognized by the state and, like, the religion. Mm-hmm. So, that's kind of the important context of, like, what she then... Um, has to look back on mm-hmm. when she's trying to take power. You know, uh, about that, 
Since I'm from India, yeah, uh, there's actually this kind of practice where women are glorified. Women are put on a pedestal. We have so many female goddesses that are worshipped all yeah. around India. And yet, of course, I mean, you know that we're treated so badly. Yeah. There's so much discrimination. Yeah. And, uh, I mean, of course, you hear about so many atrocities against women. Like, there's female infanticide. Yeah. And there's such a contrast between, like, okay, us being put, put on a pedestal on one side. Or, like, okay, girl child, you know, like, should we wash their feet? Or when a girl child comes home, she bring, like she comes with a plate of gold. And, like, a lot of things are said this way, but yet they're treated so badly. Yeah. So you're talking about these women being, like, being deities and um, being goddesses. But at the end of the day, in their civil- civilization, were they really respected? Yeah. Were they really, like, okay, meant to rule rule other men? Yeah. Were, were they... And that's, like, it's so sad. And that's something that, um, even if you look at, like quote-unquote western civilization mm-hmm. um even the greeks had the same issue like you have all these amazing greek goddesses like athena mm-hmm. who's a goddess of wisdom and war and mm-hmm. that sounds so badass but then in athens women literally had no rights they never left the house they weren't allowed to participate in the olympics no. which is like the biggest like games festival even, in greece yeah i mean even time. even high-born women um, they had literally no rights they never left the domestic spheres they mm-hmm. were always at home running the household and they had no real, like, civil place in society. And that's just so sad because then you're like, why do you guys have so many cool female goddesses? That's not, that's not chill. Um, but yeah, that's a really good point. It's, like, kind of sad that, um, and, and it's so sad that there's only so few women that get any recognition at all. Mm-hmm. But that does make what Hitchhepsa does kind of cool. Mm-hmm. Just because it's so kind of unheard of for it to happen. Um... But her family, so getting into, like, her birth now. So her father was... Oh, this is going to get really confusing, by the way. Uh, because, spoiler alert, there's going to be three men all called Tutmos. And um, she's related to all of them. <laughs> so the first one is Tutmos the first. Um, it can also be pronounced Tutmosa, but I'm sticking with Tutmos. Um, just for anyone listening, if they're annoyed with the way I've pronounced it. Um, so Tutmos the first was her father. He was... Um, a pharaoh of course but he actually wasn't related in any kind of like strong way to the previous pharaoh Mm -hmm. um he was actually only presumably distantly part of the royal family at all um and so he was actually chosen as a successor because the previous um the previous pharaoh whose name was amenhotep he didn't have any of his own sons um so he chooses Mm tutmos Um, and then her mother was called Amos, and she was pretty much definitely related to the royal family. We're not certain if she was a direct descendant of Amenhotep. It is possible, um, but she had a much stronger like claim to the lineage, which made the marriage obviously really important because mm-hmm. he claimed the throne both through being named heir, but also through having this wife that was... Um, a much stronger claimant to the throne, mm-hmm. and that meant that their children would have a strong claim. So, um, they were distantly related. See, that's but funny, because his wife had a stronger claim to the throne than he did. That happens again, actually. Um, no, well, I mean, it happens loads of times, I'm sure. Mm-hmm. But I always think about, um, one day I want to do an episode all about the Wars of the Roses. Actually, many episodes. Um, and the first Tudor king, Henry VII, 
he also ends up marrying a woman who has a, like a significantly stronger claim than he does, Elizabeth mm-hmm. of York. Um, so it's something that is sort of annoying that men do these things. But then they also, like, he always said that he didn't claim his throne through his marriage to his wife. He claimed it by conquest. Oh. So I, I imagine that, I mean, I don't know for sure, but mm-hmm. I would imagine that Tutmos would probably be, like, if he was up in his, like, patriarchy mindset, he'd probably be like, no, I'm the pharaoh because Amenhotep said, not because of my wife. Mm-hmm. But it does create stronger, like, claimants for the children. Mm-hmm. Um so yeah, so they were distantly related, probably, um, which is actually pretty good for the time period because you could be much closer related, and spoiler alert, people in this story will be much closer related. <laughs> yeah. Um, so they're pretty okay. Um, so he, Tutmos the first, he would have several wives. All the pharaohs would have several wives, but you always had a principal wife, and she was like the most important and also the most royal. And so um, he had several, but Amos was the principal wife. And so Hatshepsut, as the daughter of these two, um, and also the eldest daughter, she was kind of one of the most important of um, Tutmos I's children. So this girl was born into luxury. Mm-hmm. She was set for life, basically. She's super, super noble. Um, and, you know, she's one of the wealthiest people on earth. She basically doesn't answer to anyone except her parents. Mm-hmm. So no one can tell her what to do. Wow, which um, was my life. <laughs> yeah, so she was, like, you know, driving around in the Ferrari of her day, oh. which was basically just, like, probably slaves carrying a litter that she sat in. But, you know, oh, whatever. Tragically awesome, so no. <laughs> <laughs> Just, you know, rev your Ferrari, girl. <laughs> um, so her name means foremost of noble ladies, which makes sense because she's literally, like, the noblest woman mm-hmm. besides her mother. And um, she was more important than really any of her half-siblings. She had loads of half-siblings from the other wives. Mm -hmm. um, But she's one of the most important because she's from the principal wife. She probably did have, like, full brothers. um, But if they did did exist, then they would have died before her father. Mm -hmm. Um, And so it left kind of the question of who would be the heir. Now, she was actually very close to her father, which is sort of unusual, we would think. Um, but he actually did take her out um, on some of his journeys, and that's when she's able to see, like, the, the pyramids. Um, and so he did take a liking to her, but he did need an heir, and that, at the time, really her would have father, needed. Yeah. Her father took a liking to his daughter? Yeah, I mean, he had a lot of kids. <laughs> and also, she's a daughter, so he could have just left that to the mom. Really be like, teach this woman how to run a household. Make sure she can, like, sew I'm glad my dad took me to see the pyramids, too. <laughs> he sort of has a liking to me, too. <laughs> I'm glad that my dad sort of took a liking to me. It's such a blessing. <laughs> right? Um, but yeah, he actually really did like her, which is sort of sadly unusual. Um, and But he needed a son to be the heir. Mm-hmm. Um, so he ends up naming one of the, the like, lesser-born sons. Um, but she was taught how to read and write, um, which you think actually isn't that important at the time because you have people to be your scribe. Mm-hmm. But it was necessary for her to at least make sure that they were taking down accurately what she was saying mm-hmm. so they weren't, like, sending, like... She's like, take down this for, like, an important advisor to read and then they're like how you suck in your town <laughs> so yeah she was able to read and write she also studied math um she w- was taught how to manage a household and she was basically prepared to be a future queen um 
And the idea was that um, because she was the eldest daughter of the principal wife, that she would sort of have to marry the next pharaoh because she's so royal that, like, to marry her to anyone else would actually be kind of dangerous because that creates a new line of people who have a strong claim to Mm -hmm. the throne. Um, So we don't know how many siblings she had in total, especially because she had all these half-siblings. But one of them was, like, set to be the heir. And so when her dad dies about 12 years into his reign... Um, it is her step, no, it's her half-brother, uh, Tutmos II, who comes to power. And this is, you know, another Tutmos, so don't get confused, the first one's now dead. <laughs> so Tutmos II, her half-brother, he was a child, and he was probably younger than she was. Um, they were, of course, married, because... Yuck. Yeah, because she had to marry the next pharaoh with her noble blood. Mm-hmm. Um, of course, they're half-siblings, so that is real gross. Mm-hmm. Um, keeping it in the family, that's kind of what they did. Um, we don't know if she would have wanted to marry him or not. Obviously, that's not really something documented. But like I said, it was expected of her and that she was too important to really go to any other man. Um, and Egyptians actually at the time, like the common Egyptians weren't really that into brother sister marriages from what I understand. Um, but it was something that the Royal family did, especially in this dynasty. And of course, as we all know, it's just to keep the bloodline like as pure as possible. Um, but also it was important for this one, sort of like her parents' marriage. It was important for her to marry her half brother because he didn't come from the principal wife. Um, and that meant that he had a slightly, like, lesser claim than she did. So she strengthens that claim. So now I've written that she's principal wife, y'all. So she's moving up in the world. Um, so she was also called, um, God's wife of Amun. And if you remember, um, the, this, the first queen of the 18th dynasty, whose name I've already forgotten. It's Amos Nefertari. Mm-hmm. She was the first one to be called God's Wife of Amun. And then um, that's something that Hatshepsut is, like, a title that she gains as well. Mm-hmm. And um, this gave her, like, a more important role in society's rituals. So um, the, wait, um, God's Wife of Amun, does that make Tatmos II, her half-brother, the god? Um, I mean, okay, so I don't really understand this, to be honest, and I did sort of try to look into it. Um, from what I understand and what I've just always been told, um, pharaohs were kind of seen as, like, a god on earth. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if they are specifically meant to be Amun, and it might be the case that they are, mm-hmm. um, but I would suspect yes. Okay. Um, but yeah, so she's given this title... And it means that there were rituals that she was expected to perform, which were both, like, for the state and for the religion, because they were so intertwined at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, but it gave her an important job, which is kind of cool, because a lot of, like, royal women and, like, queens have such a limited actual job, and they don't really do that much. Um, so she did have, like, daily tasks. Um, as, like, God's wife... She was also given um, her own estate and wealth that was independent of him. Mm -hmm. Um, And um, that's because her role as God's wife basically gave her, like, a a role similar to, like, a priest almost, like Mm -hmm. a religious job. So she had this estate that was all her own to run. 
And um, she's also the last woman to have the title of God's wife of a moon. It was dropped after her for the next several hundred years, um, probably because it was seen to give women a little bit too much power because of like the fact that she then kind of ups the ante later on. Oh. Um, so it doesn't last, the title doesn't last for very long because it starts in the 18th dynasty mm-hmm. and ends in the 18th dynasty. Oh. Um, so it doesn't, it doesn't hold on for too long. Um, now, Tutmos II, her husband, brother, um, wasn't all that bothered about ruling. And if you think about it, he's like a teenager. Mm-hmm. She's like a young, like mid-teens, and he's like a young teen, probably. Mm-hmm. Um, so he doesn't really care about ruling, which is fine. So Hatshepsut was actually able to wield quite a lot of power um, in his stead. Mm-hmm. And it's said that she could have even been like a more formalized co-ruler. Um, we're not certain about this, but it does seem to be that her father sort of wanted her to have, like, more power than just a wife. Mm-hmm. And he did like her, obviously. Um, so it might be that she was actually, like, co-ruler in an official capacity. Um, that's not really certain, but it's something that she'll claim later on. Um, and then, of course, her husband um, passes away about three years after he takes the throne. So he's really young when he dies. Mm-hmm. He's still a teenager. Um, and at this point, he actually, though a young teen, he'd already had a child with Hatshepsut, which is gross. <laughs> and, um, they had a daughter called Neferora mm-hmm. and he also had had secondary wives and, um, I have no idea how many children he had with them, but there was another one. One of them had a son, um, and he was, of course, called Tutmos. Oh, so there's a third. There's our third Tutmos. So she has Tutmos, her father, Tutmos, her husband. Her brother-husband. <laughs> brother-husband. Tutmos, her son. Um, no. That's so. got to give her all sorts of issues. Yeah, that would be confusing. You say Tutmos, you're like, who am I even talking about? <laughs> um, but yeah, so she has a daughter, and then the secondary wife has... Um, has a son called Tutmos, and this is funny to me because it makes Tutmos the third her stepson and also her nephew because her husband is also her brother. Oh my god! So his <laughs> child is also her nephew. So she's got a brother husband and her stepson nephew. Gross. Just on all levels, gross. Just <laughs> confusing and alarming. Um, but yeah, so her husband is dead, and um, when this happens. His son, Tutmos III, is a young, young child. He's Maybe probably, that's why they're dying so early, you know? It's just all the, all the inbreeding. Yeah. <laughs> all the inbreeding. Um, but yeah, Tutmos III is somewhere between like three and six is sort of what's believed. So he's like mm-hmm. a toddler. Mm-hmm. He's not ruling. Mm-hmm. Um, at, the, at the point where he comes to power, he's called a hawk in the nest. So he's a little baby bird. Oh. <laughs> just a little baby bird. A wee child. Um, and since his mother was one of the lesser wives, she didn't have a real government position Mm -hmm. and she also wasn't like of the royal lineage. So she's not able to be the regent for Mm -hmm. her son. So Hatshepsut is actually able to have herself named as regent and she will rule kind of in his name until he's old enough. Despite the fact that it's actually not her son, mm-hmm. um, it's her stepson and nephew. <laughs> and at this point, she was actually still quite young as well. So she's late teens or early 20s when this happens. Mm-hmm. Um, so it kind of speaks to like how she'd been doing during her brother-husband's reign. That people were like, yeah, you're young, but like we trust you mm-hmm. to keep ruling. Because if you see like a 
you know, I don't know, maybe like a 19-year-old woman, I'd be like, I do not trust her to be, I don't know, president <laughs> of the United States or something. But, but if they they're not thought, making it too old, that's, yeah, like, I mean, quite that's up true. there. <laughs> she's, middle, she's like middle-aged by now. Um, but yeah, so they actually trusted her to keep ruling, which was sort of interesting because they could have really been dicks about that, but mm-hmm. they weren't. Um, and so it's said that um, Tutmos II, her brother husband, went to heaven and joined the gods. His son, his son stood in his place as king of the two lands, and he began to rule on the throne of him who had begotten him, while Tutmos II's sister, the god's wife Hatshepsut, managed the affairs of this land. The two lands were governed according to her plans, and work was done for her. So basically, she is the head bitch in charge. And they listen to her, and whatever she says, they carry out that work for her. So she is the kind of the primary influence over all governmental matters. Wow. Uh, which makes sense, because the kid's like three to six. Mm-hmm. He's not doing anything. He's chewing on his little, like, wooden rattle or something. <laughs> um, he's busy. He's learning how to poop. <laughs> um, so she's now the regent. And she had the support of the nobles because they basically all owed their positions to her. Um, Not so much because she necessarily gave them their positions, but because she was providing stability. Mm -hmm. And when there's stability, they're not at risk of losing their power. Whereas when they've been at war in the past, if things go wrong, you can easily end up killing all the nobles. So. You know, so sometimes that happens. Um, So they were pretty pleased that it was a stable time, more or less, due to her family line and, like, what they'd done in the past. So they're like, you know what, we're just going to let this girl keep doing her thing, and we're not going to complain, which is what I would do, probably. Just keep on keeping on. (laughs) Um, And then gradually she starts taking on more and more power. So technically she's still the regent, um, and there are things that, like, aren't really within her capacity as the regent to do, um, but she does start kind of gradually taking those as well. She starts styling herself um, as the heir of the gods, Mm -hmm. and sometimes she's even seen wearing the pharaoh's crown rather than the crown that a woman would wear, Um, so that's a little bit controversial. She's sort of slowly but surely um, amassing more power Mm -hmm. than what would be typical for a regent. Yeah, she's like, fuck problems like acne and like... I don't know, uh, dealing with heartbreak and boys. <laughs> she's like, I'm going straight for that crown. <laughs> yeah, she's like, I could be a teenage girl and I could have, like, you know, my little rom com moment, or I could be the pharaoh of all of Egypt. Right. So, you know, decisions, decisions. You go, go. <laughs> but yeah, so, like, she's kind of, um, she reminds me of, like, a little kid, like, sneaking a piece of candy every now and then until you have, like, a whole, like, thing of it because you've just stolen so much and no one notices. That's probably me. <laughs> She's just taking, like, bit by bit, hoping that nobody notices. <laughs> um, but at this point, she's still technically the regent, and that's the only, like, that's the only kind of title that she has. Mm-hmm. Um, but she starts sort of surrounding herself, like I said, with the trappings of royalty so that even though she doesn't have... Um, the, like, legitimacy of being pharaoh, everyone starts to see her as, like, that level of power. And so she has everything in... Everything but the name, basically, Mm -hmm. is what it comes down to. And then... um, What's in a name? What is in a name? Shakespeare. (laughs) That's a good one. Um, And then this is... No one seems to be certain whether it's the second year or the seventh year, which is a big time gap. Mm-hmm. Um, but sometime between the second and the seventh year of her stepson nephew's uh, reign, 
she then starts to de- she then officially declares herself pharaoh um i would get i'm i would i'm kind of going with seventh year i'm mm-hmm. just gonna stick with that because i think it is more logical mm-hmm. um but at this point she's like fuck it i'm the pharaoh and in fairness if she it was the second year then she probably assassinated him herself he's still but he's still alive oh. that's the thing oh you mean her son her yeah her stepson nephew oh, okay. he's still alive um and that's the thing that's interesting is that even though she declares herself pharaoh officially mm-hmm. she never fully like she's she's a lot of people kind of make her out to be this like bitch mm-hmm. i guess but she never actually says that he's not the pharaoh. Mm-hmm. She says, but I am also the pharaoh. We're both pharaohs. Oh. We are two pharaohs. I mean, she needs to, like, kind of warm them up, right? She's not going to just, like, walk in and be like, I'm CEO, bitch. All right. Right? Turn it around. <laughs> um, no. So this is, there's two pharaohs now. Um, and she's just, like, the older, cooler pharaoh. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there's, like, also this weird, like, you know, I don't know, like, nine or ten-year-old lame pharaoh. Or, like, whatever. <laughs> we don't care about him. Right. Um, you know, do you really want to take the orders of a 10-year-old? Do you want to have to bow to that kid? No. I mean, he's still, like, kind of going to school. Probably a little dick. He probably knows he's so important. They're like, oh, I would hate to have to bear to a young, or bow to a young child and, like, scrape the floor. Like, ugh, the worst. Yeah, so she actually says that she had a vision from the oracle, mm-hmm. and the oracle said that she was meant to be the pharaoh. Oh. So she's like, well, gotta do what the oracle says. Where's that work nowadays? <laughs> <laughs> I just like, you, you wake up from like a like a vision dream and you're like, oop, guess I just gotta like run away and start a new life. Right? I'm like, okay, now I'm in charge. Just I mean, anything God, I God want. told me. Like, don't argue with that. <laughs> Literally anything you want. It's like, if you just want to like, like pick up and leave, you're just like, sorry, but that's what the gods say. Or like, if you want to, if someone, if you like want to marry someone, you're like, oop, the gods told me we have to get married. Right? So. I mean, like. Are you going to challenge that? Like, are, you, really? are you really going to tell me that this isn't what they wanted? <laughs> um, but yeah, so she's just like, well, I guess I got to do it. Got to be pharaoh. Sorry, guys. Um, and at this point, um, she starts kind of depicting herself as the co-ruler. So there's like statues and such in places like the Red Chapel, mm-hmm. where she is shown with the Third. And they are both styled as pharaohs, and she is styled as a man as well. Wow, you know um, what this reminds me of? What? Big Game of Thrones. This is all Cersei and, like, Tommen, <laughs> how she takes over slowly. Oh, yeah, she's basically, like, Tommen <laughs> never had a chance. That poor child. Right? I, I feel like she would have totally done this to him, even if she wanted, like, how much of it she really wanted him to be king. She slowly took over. I mean, you mentioned the Red Chapel, and I, like, straight thought, like, Red Keep. The Red Keep? Yeah. <laughs> Honestly, yeah, that might be where this is all coming from. Because we know he just takes everything from history anyway. Mm-hmm. He just mashes it all together. Right. Which is honestly smart, because why don't you just take the stuff that's already been done? You see that it worked once. There's nothing new under the sun anyway. No. <laughs> um, so, yeah, so she is presented as a man. And, you know, when you think about it, because at this time... Cersei also has her short hair, and she starts, like, even her dresses, they start to look like her father's clothing, Mm -hmm. which I read a whole thing about, like, the clothing of... I love Game of Thrones, guys. (laughs) Um, So, yeah, this totally makes sense. I see it. Um, And she claims that that Amun, again, like, Amun and the Oracle had told her that she was the chosen one. Mm -hmm. Um, Then you get into this whole thing about, like, is she a usurper? Because for a long, long time... Well, for a long time, no one knew she existed, which I'm going to get to later. Mm -hmm. But for a long time after that, um, the Egyptologists who were 
white men. Um, they saw Hatshepsut as a usurper who's basically like the evil stepmother character of like Cinderella or something. Mm-hmm. And that she had um, taken the throne from him in sort of like an illegal way. And that it pissed her stepson nephew off because it was his by right. Mm-hmm. And so like, I mean, we can we weren't there. So for all we know, this is true. And that she was just like an evil person and she wanted power for herself. I still say power to you, girl, but it may have been kind of as dark as they think it was. Mm-hmm. Um, but there are a lot of historians these days who actually think that it probably wasn't this problematic. Um, and there's a lot of reasons for this. Um, so people argue that at the time women weren't meant to rule. But as I already said, uh, we have the instance of Sobek Neferu, who was a female pharaoh in the past, so we know it had been done, and we also talked about how there may have been others before her. Um, and legally, there was actually no issue with having a female pharaoh, um, so it wasn't like a legal problem. Although, on the flip side of this, which I just want to make note of as well, um, that even though it might not have been a legal issue, it might have caused religious tensions, because um, they lived by this kind of this property, like, this kind of um, idea of ma'at, which is divine order. Mm-hmm. And so it, it's possible that they thought that a, a female pharaoh went against this ma'at and that it could cause, like, religious turmoil. And so it may have been an issue in, in that sense, but there was no religious problem. And we're not really sure if they had, like, a huge religious dissent over this. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's some idea that, like, she may have not really been meant to do that. Um, the other thing is is that the argument is made that she stole the throne um, from a boy who, of course, was getting older, so he's getting closer to being mature. Mm-hmm. Um, and that there, but there's not really any reason to believe that she actually stole the power from him in like a malicious way. Mm-hmm. And it might actually be that she took power to help him, which seems sort of weird. Um, but he had, like I said, he had a weaker claim to the throne. Mm-hmm. Um, he was born from one of the non-royal wives. And um, she was the daughter of the previous pharaoh. Of course, he was the son of the previous pharaoh. Mm-hmm. But uh, she was the daughter of one of the previous pharaohs, uh, the I. She was also the granddaughter, through her mother's line, probably, of the pharaoh before him, um, Amenhotep the I. Mm-hmm. So she has this, like, double noble lineage. And her mother and her grandmother were both the principal wives, which means that they have very noble lineage. So she's had a lot of, like, strong, powerful women as her So she's had these strong, powerful women. And also, like, if, if, like, at the time, if, like, royal blood is the most important thing, then her blood is, like, bright gold. Mm -hmm. Like, girl is the royalist of the royal, like... No one can tell her what Mm -hmm. to do. It used to be her parents could tell her what not to do. And now it's like, who's going to stop her? Mm -hmm. Because she is truly one of the most noble women, Mm -hmm. like, to be alive at this point. Mm -hmm. Um, Because she's just descended from all of these um, pharaohs and their principal wives. Mm -hmm. Whereas her stepson nephew Mm -hmm. is kind of from a much more muddy line of the throne. Maybe that's Um, why also they accepted her vision, because... Like you said, like state and religion go together. Yeah. So if she's that royal, maybe. And if she, and if she's home. like, yeah, if I got this vision, they're like, well, your blood is basically like solid gold. Like so. us commoners, what do we know about that? <laughs> we're just gonna accept it. Yeah, we're just like the weird like mud blood people. <laughs> like we're just we don't know what we're talking about. Um, 
so yeah, so she had a really, really strong claim. And so there's an idea that maybe her sort of assuming more power may have stopped there from being dynastic problems or any kind of like civil unrest. And so Tutmosis III may have actually been happy for her to take more power because it sort of gave him a little bit of legitimacy mm-hmm. as well to have her as a co-ruler mm-hmm. um, because obviously she just had this incredibly strong claim and then he was learning from her Mm -hmm. so when she eventually would die he would be able to say like oh but also like in a a way he sort of then derives legitimacy from like almost kind of being adopted by her Mm -hmm. not in any official capacity but like if you think about it her father Tutmos the first wasn't a child of the previous one Mm -hmm. he was chosen and so in a similar way he would have grown up with her and seen how she ruled and then people may have been more accommodating even though his birth was slightly lesser because at that point she'd be gone anyway so like you can't get her back Mm -hmm. you can't raise from the dead this is not the mummy (laughs) um also just like from a kind of pragmatic standpoint she'd proven herself to be an effective leader already um she had been have like she'd had a decent amount of power with her brother husband and she'd already been serving for somewhere between two and seven years um as the regent so, like, she was clearly capable and had the trust of the people. And so, the Third may have just valued that knowledge. Mm-hmm. Um, but also, we he just should He was quite impressionable. <laughs> yeah, he's like a little kid. He's like, whatever, not mom. That's you do cool. your thing. <laughs> cool aunt. <laughs> Running the country. She's like a cool wine aunt. Right. Um, or like vodka aunt. It's wine mom, isn't it? It's wine moms and vodka aunts. You've heard about that, right? Not really. That's a weird internet thing. Is that? Yeah. Oh, in, in, in that thing. Yeah, it's a weird, it's like, it, people on the internet being like, oh, I'm a wine mom. Really? And it became a joke that, like, because, like, all ants are, like, kind of weird. Oh, know? okay. I thought, I thought you were referring to Mean Girls, where she's like, I'm a cool I'm mom. I'm a cool mom. Yeah. <laughs> also, yeah, yeah, that, yeah. Is, that is definitely Mean Girls. <laughs> mean she sells vodka to them, yeah? I feel like, no, what? She sells, like, them alcohol. Oh, them does alcohol. she? Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, she does. Yeah, she sells them alcohol, and she's like, I'm not, like, a regular mom. I'm, I'm a cool mom. mom. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like Mean Girls comes up way too many times in this podcast, which is so funny because I have not seen Mean Girls in probably 10 years, and I've only seen it oh, once. Okay. You've seen it. I've seen it once, and it was a long Go time ago. Go watching it after this. <laughs> I, don't, I, don't, I never really enjoyed it. I think I saw part of it more recently, and then I got bored and I stopped. Oh, my God. Um, How could you? But I do love Tina Fey. I'm sorry, girl. If you're listening, I love you. Um, but... Um, I think the most important thing, though, is that we really just shouldn't forget that for a decent amount of time, they ruled more or less together, and nobody gets killed. I mean, she does not bump him off. Would have been so easy if she was like, this little bastard is going to ruin my pharaoh ship or whatever, so I'll just kill him. She could have easily done that. And then also, when he gets older and gets, if he did get annoyed that she was, because a lot of people obviously say that he gets, yeah, he may have felt that she was sort of stepping on his toes, mm-hmm. especially when he does reach the age of maturity and he wants to be pharaoh on his own. But like, if hey, that's... can I have this back? And she's just like, heck no. Bitch, no. Um, but, like, if, if he really was angry about it, he does not have her bumped off either. Mm-hmm. So it's like, the fact that no one dies <laughs> means that it, there seems to be at least, like, like an acceptance of the situation Mm -hmm. if not like i would have to imagine that it'd be a certain level of trust between them otherwise you would never feel safe 
no, with there being point, two. He's just not maybe as strong as her to have her killed or kind of yeah. so poor himself. Yeah, I mean, they probably did both have, like, their own supporters. Mm-hmm. And so you could imagine that if they really did hate each other, mm-hmm. that it would have led to issues mm-hmm. and somebody would have died. I mean... But as far as we know, her death was nothing. Because she obviously, she dies before him. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Not really a spoiler. Mm-hmm. Um, but nothing that we've seen of her death really implies that he had her killed. Mm-hmm. Um, so from what we understand, like, they must have had sort of, like, a decent working relationship. Because they were co-rulers for a pretty long time. And to be honest, when I say co-rulers, she had most of the power. Mm-hmm. Um, she was just ruling in his name. Well, now she's ruling in her own name, but they're just both... They're, like, double pharaohs. Mm-hmm. Um, so she is ruling, like, in her own right, but he's just sort of also there. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, they, they more or less are able to make it work for a decent amount of time. Um, and so I think that is sort of a testament to the fact that, like, if she was really a usurper, one of them probably would have ended mm-hmm. up dead. Not really sure who. Could have been either. Mm-hmm. Um and then there's also an article that I was reading, which I thought was really interesting, called Redating the Reign of Hatshepsut, and it's by William Petty. Um, and he makes the point, basically, that um, Hatshepsut actually claimed that she was named successor by her father. And that's something that I talked about earlier, was that he may have wanted her to take over, mm-hmm. but he needed the son, so he had her marry um, Tutmos II, and... Um, and then, because Tutmosis II was, like, a young teenager, he didn't give a shit, so he didn't really rule anyway. Um, in her mortuary temple, she has written um, that this is my daughter... Like, this is him sort of saying it. Um, this is my daughter, Hatshepsut, who liveth. I have anointed her. She is my successor upon my throne. She assuredly is who shall sit upon this wonderful seat. So... She's saying that she claims her power through her father and not because of anything else. Um, wow. So she's like kind of really planted it like out there that the oracle came to her. Yeah. And now her dad has appointed her. Yeah, her dad had appointed her when he, well, obviously when he was alive, which was way before any of this right. happens. And plus, I mean, her, her father was appointed. So yeah. it's probably like she's changing like the law. Yeah. It's like, like, who's going who's gonna to stab you, bitch? Right. She's like, I'm going to appoint the next one. Maybe it's not my dumbass Dutmose the third. And that's the interesting thing is that, so a lot of people, even today, will date her rule as starting midway through Tutmos the thirds mm-hmm. or sometimes they even say that they started together and the dating of um this is sort of easy and also complicated to explain um but the dating of like pharaoh's rules is quite important and like it's still known to us because back then obviously they didn't know that they were before christ mm-hmm. um so they didn't know that we would one day be like oh you know in 1500 bc so they dated everything by how many years they were into the pharaoh's rule, mm-hmm. um, which sometimes makes things very complicated because it can be difficult to trace which pharaohs came first. Mm-hmm. But if we can if we can piece that together, then we can sort of line up the timelines and then count backwards from Christ, and that's how you get right. the whole BC period. Um, but so you might be like, oh, I'm, you know, it's the year twenty of Hatshepsut's reign. And that's, like, what year it was. Mm-hmm. Um, so she actually claimed, because she said that she was the successor of her father, mm-hmm. that she claimed her reign started when um, her brother-husbands did. 
Her so, brother had Tutmos II. Yeah, Tutmos II. So she claimed from that point that she was already in her own reign. And she wasn't, like, at that point fully declared pharaoh. Right. But she's like, that's the beginning of my power. I am, like, my, my father said I was his successor. So we are in the years of, like, if if it's year one of, like... Tutmos II. Yeah, Tutmos II and Hatshepsut. And they're in power. Oh, so, she, so she was like, I've been in power for a while. Mm-hmm. Whereas today, because we have the documented like, evidence of when, how their years worked, mm-hmm. today we look back and they have said that her reign starts with Tutmos III. Right. So she's in like, you're two of Tutmos III. Yeah. Then she becomes Pharaoh. Not your one of Tutmos II. Yeah. Yeah. And so this is so complicated. And I apologize for anyone listening. I know you're getting it. But I'm sorry, I'm anyone, trying. I know, <laughs> I, I know. <laughs> I'm hoping that anyone listening also sort of understands this. But basically, this is really important, and that's why the paper is called Redating the Reign of Hatshepsut. The idea was basically that she considered her reign to start way before what we now think of it as. Mm-hmm. Um, and so. Probably she was just saying that just to legitimize her. Well, there's that possibility that. It, yeah, there's the possibility that she backdated it herself. Right. But there's also the possibility that she truly believed that Mm -hmm. and like was always sort of saying it and the thing is is that then the idea becomes or at least like the this what this paper sort of proposes is that it may have actually been Tutmos the third her nephew stepson who decided on his own to align their dates together um so he may have literally redated her um, because now when we look back at the record that they left, their dates are aligned mm-hmm. and she's no longer aligned with her brother husband. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we think that he literally changed the record and aligned their dates, which is interesting firstly, because if he hated her and didn't want her to be in power, he wouldn't have wanted to align their dates. Right. Um, but also it shows that they were co-pharaohs, um, and maybe he did it to not look like so much of a jump. Maybe. Because otherwise his entire reign is insignificant. True, yeah. But it's just sort of a weird thing because he could have wiped her from that entirely, but instead he just redates her to start when he starts, which I think is interesting. So mm-hmm. he really does show them as being co-pharaohs. Mm-hmm. Um, and during this time as well, um, she's, like I said, she's the kind of the primary ruler. Um, and she eventually, of course, as he gets older, he starts to gain a bit more prominence. And that's when people start to, it's not necessarily that there's like factions, but there are people that sort of more supported her, Mm -hmm. more supported him. But generally it seems that they were able to get along well enough, which is good. Um, but yeah, basically this, this whole theory I thought was interesting just because it shows that they were more or less equals who were able to work together. Um, he seemed to have respected her age and her knowledge um, especially when he was younger. Obviously, he couldn't rule then anyway. Um, and there's good reason to believe that he wasn't angry that she had taken more power, um, which I think is interesting because she's so often seen as, like, this, like, the throne stealer from a young boy who couldn't stop her. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't seem that he actually felt that way because otherwise he wouldn't have put their dates together. He just would have left her out entirely. You know, the three perspectives in this, there's hers, where she considers herself, like, all high and mighty, there's his, where she, he considers her his equal. And then there's a third opinion, probably historians or just people people of that time, who consider her wrong and yeah. 
Yeah, the histor the historical opinion I think is maybe the most difficult part to understand mm-hmm. just because they they have such little information on her when they start creating these theories. Um, and that's what's interesting is that even just like recently, it's just something that's still kind of developing in our knowledge of her. And I think that drastically changes how we feel about her. And so with her um, ascending to power as Pharaoh in her own right, and um, her stepson, nephew, um, it kind of more or less accepting her power. I think that is where we will leave it for this episode. Um, there's more to come with her later life. Uh, I think the next one's going to be a slightly shorter episode, but Kamal and I will be back um, to finish out her story and to get into um, kind of the way that she is treated by uh, history, which is a bit different from some of our other ladies. Um, But in the meantime, please feel free to follow me on uh, Twitter. You can find me at HappyHistoryPod. You can also find me on Instagram at HappyHourHistoryPod. My Facebook is HappyHourHistoryPodcast. Email HappyHourHistoryPod at gmail.com. I would love to hear from you guys. Um, I'd love to hear what you think of the podcast or if you guys have any recommendations. I'm really interested in what and kind of knowing what you guys would like to hear about. I definitely need to kind of expand my own knowledge of history and my own repertoire. Um, so I would love to hear what you guys think would be um, interesting to learn about. Also, um, if you are listening to this on Apple Podcasts especially, because I don't know if all platforms do reviews, um, please leave me a review. I would love to know what you guys uh, think. It would be great to get some star ratings, um, and especially great if I could get some actual like text-based reviews. That would be so nice. Um, I love to hear what you guys think, and um, it definitely just helps me to know what direction to take future episodes in. So if you have, you know, two minutes of your day to leave a review, I would be most appreciative. Um, But that's all for this episode, and Kamal and I will be back next time uh, for part two of Hitchhapsit's Life. So thank you all for listening. Outro music starts now.